Welcome to the HR Matters podcast. HR Matters because people matter. This is the place where you can listen to fresh ideas about working together with topics that really matter and insight into the changes that you can make in your organization and your work today. This is for you if you have a keen investment in the people within your organization and in yourself as a human being. Featuring Lisa Dempsey. Hello. Hi, and myself, Marjolein Vlug. Hi, Lisa. Well, um, today we uh, we selected a topic to talk about that we suddenly realized we've never even made a topic. We've never even made an episode on this. And it's something that is uh, uh, important and valuable. Um, and yet here we are, season five, and we hadn't talked about it. So we've, I don't even think we've mentioned we it. I don't even think that we've. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, my dog is shaking. She's yeah. <laughs> my dog. <laughs> she doesn't agree with this. She's like, oh, what have you been doing? <laughs> it's a disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. So what is this? <laughs> what is this? What is this important topic, Marilyn? Yeah. Building up the tension. Um, it's the psychological contract. And um, perhaps you know all about this. Perhaps you haven't heard about it yet. Um, so uh, just to be clear, what we mean by this is that alongside the legal agreement and maybe a personal handbook that you may have in your organization that on paper states what the agreements are between the organization as an employer and the people that work there. Um, There's also a psychological contract, which is really the perception of the relationship between organization and people. Um, The expectations that people have, the assumptions, the beliefs, the ambitions and obligations, um, all the things that are are not written down on paper, but that are implied and perceived. Um, And, you know, what we recognize and what we see is that this has so much more of an impact on day-to-day behavior at work than that bit of paper that you signed. Uh, with all the basic agreements and perhaps the handbook that is somewhere uh, that you can pick up when you want to look up uh, a certain detail. This has so much more impact on um, on real behavior at work. And yet, like I said, it's mostly implicit. It's mostly in people's heads and it doesn't get talked about. So let's talk about it today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it is so important. It, it is this, as you said, this whole culmination of unspoken, unwritten things. But the really the quality of the psychological contract that you as an employer, you as an HR group, you as an HR person will have with employees heavily influences how they behave on a day-to-day basis. It heavily influences how people turn up at work and and really how much they are willing to contribute and go you know do all of those things that go above and beyond it's just like you know we we'll have job descriptions but we know there's a million things that happen above and beyond job descriptions yeah. the psychological contract is is a part of that it's a part of all of that stuff that falls outside of the boundaries and all of the words that are on all of all of the pages are on all of the intranets <laughs> that exist out there. You know? All that digital space. 
Yeah, certainly. And it's it's very much about that relationship and and the really the the matrix, the mesh of relationships that you're in whenever you work in an organization with other people with HR, but also with your line manager. That's one of the most important relationships that you have at work. Um, So when you're a line manager, your relationship with the people in your team really impacts how they work. And it's because of this psychological contract. It's because of all the things that are implied about job security, about career prospects, uh, about how fair their pay is for the work that they do and the things that they invest in their work. Uh, And it also really impacts the reputation that you have as an employer, as an organization, but also as a manager. And because this is a relationship, I really have experienced and firmly believe that all relationships take work to make them good yeah to make them basically good to make them great when you work on them that's you know that's basic requirement um and if you forget that this is a relationship then it's easy to forget that it takes work and that that work is a great investment (laughs) you know it's it's good work to do um so that's why you know talking about the psychological contract is a way of reminding you that um, uh, that this is about relationships and that uh, that the work is uh, is helpful and needed. Yeah, yeah, and and it is all of those things. You know, really, the psychological contract starts from a moment somebody even thinks of applying for a job with mm-hmm. your company. They've likely looked you up online, looked up the organization, maybe on Glassdoor or Great Places to Work. Any any of those things are the there are these ideas that are conveyed about what kind of place it is to work. How are the people? Mm-hmm. And yeah, then that's it, where the expectations start, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then they get fed by all of these things, you know, these conversations that, that people have throughout that process about, okay, mm-hmm. so what, what do promotion opportunities look like? What does, you know, fairness and equity and pay look like? What, what are these things? And those, you know, those are typically conversations that are had between one human being to another they're not things that are firmly written down and even if they are written down it's it's what gets talked about and what gets implied that makes people interpret what is written down and that makes such a difference yeah sorry go on I was no 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 but it is (laughs) it's you know it's it's this sort of this you know it's this culmination of all of these just teeny tiny almost invisible strands exactly yeah that come together to to weave this you know big tapestry of culture of expectations of Mm -hmm. assumptions and one thing that I recognize, at least, and, and I own I own very much for my HR career is, you know, particularly within HR, it's so easy. And, it, and in fact, I think we're almost even trained to mm-hmm. kind of go to this place of, well, yeah, but it's not on paper or legally, what is the responsibility yeah. or what is What are we possible? required to do legally? That's not yeah. the only factor. Yeah. Exactly. Or what are the risks? You know, what, mm. what is our risk mitigation plan? You know, if, if we mm-hmm. change this or we don't honor it, um, you know, what legally, again, you know, <laughs> so often, <laughs> don't mean to, you know, bash on, on people in, in the legal field, but, you know, so often these questions in HR are asked and it, it defaults to this space of, well, legally, what is the room that we have? Yeah. And 
that it entirely steps over this space of the psychological contract. It mm-hmm. steps over this relationship and all of these implied understandings, all of these assumptions that have been built based upon reputation, based upon conversation, based upon, you know, relationship, genuine relationship building. Or just expectations of, well, when this happens, I would expect based on what I've been told by my parents or what I've experienced before that this other thing will happen. You know, it doesn't have to be communicated, but, you know, from the very basic, if you, if you, I don't know, break a dish in the kitchen, you replace it. Or this is the company kitchen. I don't need to do anything about that. You know, there's nothing written down or talked about there. You know, it's not a direct example, but it can come from so many angles and from so many um, directions where those, those implications, those expectations and assumptions come from that you can't even, you can't even guess or, you know, think them up. You can, you know, you can empathize a bit and, and see what, you know, what you would expect there to be in the psychological contract. But you can't really know what the contract is from someone's specific perspective, individual perspective, unless you talk about it. Right. Unless you address it in those conversations. You know, I can assume that when you're in my house and you drop something you'll pick it off on the from the floor and you'll ask me for a to to clean up the the crumbs but I can't know unless it it happens or 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 I ask you about it so it's I don't know maybe I'm giving some some silly examples today but it you know you don't know unless you unless you ask yeah I can't look inside your head no one can look inside mine this deserves uh uh, being addressed getting addressed Clearing those assumptions, yeah. you know, really clearing yeah. the assumptions and getting down to, okay, so, and I, and I think particularly in HR, this most often happens when changes are coming. So it's, you mm-hmm. know, it's actually, it is an, an important element to integrate into change management. Because um, there, there will be times when we do have to make changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember a, a very early example in my career was, I joined a company, there were new pension regulations that had come into the country that that we were working in. Mm -hmm. The pension policy had to change because of that. But our comp and Benz team, they were doing a really good job of of following the letter of the law and and coming up with a new pension policy that that would honor, you know, legally what the, the government was mandating. Mm-hmm. But there had been zero accommodation for the psychological contracts that had been made with employees. And so they were, they were really surprised about how much pushback, you know, how much resistance there was within the business. Because to them, it was just this, you know, it's a matter of legal compliance. The law changed. We have to do this. Yeah. But it, the psychological contract wasn't taken into account during the, the change management process or any of the communications that went out to people. And so there were a lot of people that showed up, you know, sort of in our HR offices and sitting at our desks going, I don't understand what's what? going on. What? Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Things get ah. stuck. And, and, you know, I, I can completely imagine that because pension is usually not something that most people rationally think about and you know most people don't wish for a pension that is aligned to legal requirements they wish 
for their employer to do something so that they are taken care of once they're at their pension age. They want to be taken care of. So when you don't take that into account, that that is the implicit promise that you made as an employer, and then you change your promise, you know, it's not, people are not going to ask, oh, is this according to legal regulations? No, they're going to think, what? I thought I would be taken care of. And it's a, it's a promise about something in the future. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. isn't now. So it makes it this even less tangible thing. And therefore, all the more reason why it's really important to look mm-hmm. at what was your psychological contract, yeah. right? What, yeah. what were some of those assumptions? What were those implications that were held in that so that you can then explain it? And it's not about forcing yourself to be bound to it, but it's about naming it, you know, yeah, naming exactly. and acknowledging those assumptions, acknowledging, okay, we understand that at one point, we promised you this, yeah. but let us help explain, you know, there have been some changes in external circumstances and maybe it's a legal requirement. Maybe it's economic. Maybe there was a board decision, whatever mm, it is. Could be anything. But let's, you know, let's acknowledge this was the previous promise. This was the previous assumption. Acknowledge, we now have to change acknowledge it. the validity as well. You yeah. know, it's understandable that people have made this assumption uh, and naming it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what is it that you think naming it does, Marjolaine? What What's the value in that? Uh, as soon as you name it, it's not implicit anymore. When when we talk about something, when we name it in conversation, uh, I get to hear what's in your head and you get to hear what's in my head rather than just guessing at it and assuming that what's in your mind is the same as what's in mine, which it hardly <laughs> ever is the same anyway. So... You know, don't make assumptions, go and check and talk. And it really helps build a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it allows people then, even in the midst of change, mm-hmm. to continue to trust in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Even if they're not getting their way, suddenly, <laughs> you know, there may still be some resistance, but it, it's different and it doesn't feel... I think for particularly employees and particularly in these very, you know, volatile times that we live in, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like the rug is being ripped out from underneath them. No. So you can still make changes, but you can make changes in a way that has integrity. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah it's very much uh, what you say that, you know, using the word integrity, this is so much about honoring the, the deal that people feel that they have with their employer. And, you know, honoring a deal is very much about trust. Can I trust my employer to invest in me something that is balanced with what I invest in, in my employer, in my work? Uh, and if people feel that what they are asked to invest or that what is implied is less than what they get back, then things get very uncomfortable. Uh, and people's, you know, energy contribution, everything goes down. And the other way, uh, uh, the other way around as well, it goes up when you invest more, especially in that psychological contract, especially in how you build that that relationship or even repair it. Like with uh, your pension example, you can repair that relationship by working on it. And that's okay. Uh, As long as you see that as a relationship that needs work. That's, you know, that's, um, you can't, you can't do anything unless you see that. 
really, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and when people feel that there is trust, even if the deal is changing, even if it is shifting, so long as you can hold a basic place of trust, yep. you know, yeah. I think you'll find there's a tremendous amount of flexibility and agility that, that turns up. Um, and people then get, you know, less concerned about, oh, well, but let me talk to my lawyer and what did they say? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how often do conversations go down that road of, you know, suddenly it's well, but, you know, my lawyer says this or <laughs> our legal counsel says that. Yeah. And how much time and energy is wasted in that? Because mm-hmm. those conversations never lead to anything really productive. And, and then you're, you're in this it very- It doesn't address the psychological contract that you have. It only addresses the, the, the paperwork. Yeah. And then you're in this, you're stuck in this really transactional space, right? Then you are in that space of, you know, suddenly you have employees looking, going, well, that's not my job description. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a part of the deal that hasn't been honored. And so then they're saying, well, you know what? Then I'm not going to honor my part of the deal that's also unwritten. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's a huge number of employees that are, that are trapped in this space of there's something in the psychological contract that, that wasn't honored, yeah. that was tread upon. And so they, you know, there's this huge amount of disengagement. You know, we know yeah. from the figures globally, worldwide, there's a huge amount of disengagement in, in workplaces these yeah. days. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, we're talking to you about this now. We're talking to each other and you get to listen. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, so you know or are starting to know about this, but most people who are just you know, doing their jobs in entirely different fields or not a hiring manager who's who's into this or is not uh, an HR person, they don't know that it's this factor of the psychological contract that is bugging them. Right. As soon as you do, <laughs> you can work on that relationship. They just do do that either instinctively or, or by talent, uh, but they don't know that that is the thing that is getting in the way. They just feel frustrated. And they just, you know, uh, ride on their uh, their assumptions and, and expectations. So you acknowledging that that is just how human beings work uh, is is already makes such a great difference. Yeah, yeah, I love that. How how is it that you know you would recommend? Because I do firmly believe that you know this is this is very much this is HR's job. Mm-hmm. You know, and and also a hiring manager's job to, yeah. to be aware hiring that there, mm-hmm. there are these you know psychological contracts that exist but how would you recommend you know from an hr perspective this being brought to the table this being mm-hmm. brought into conversation then what do you do about it right <laughs> um well one thing that i that works just best let me put it like that is just a addressing the relationship in the meetings that you're already having because you know you don't have to set up a separate meeting it's it's like it's like with any relationship that you have really what do you you know take what you know from there and take what you've learned from there perhaps it's with your friend or with your partner you can you can you know 
plan a separate meeting with them and say, okay, let's sit down now at the kitchen table on the sofa and let's talk about our relationship because something's happening. I'm not happy with that. I'm happy with this. I would like to do things differently. Sometimes you do that if you really need to and you get a bit nervous about it and it's a big deal and you think, and then you're relieved if it works out well. But normally in your day-to-day relationship with a partner, with your family member, with a friend, you just ask a few questions when you're already talking with them. And that's the same, the same thing you can do in the workplace. You know, when you're having a meeting, you can address some things that you think might be expectations, might be assumptions that are held, things that are implied. Uh, talk about them and recognize them while, while you're working. Stick a few questions at the end of a regular meeting because it, it also takes the heaviness out. Just like, you know, okay, I need to have a call with my, my, my boyfriend this evening and I think oh, it's big and it's heavy rather than, you know, um, we were out in the park having a picnic and I said, oh, something, you know, when you're already there, it takes so much heaviness out of it and that makes it easier too. It doesn't take extra time as well. Um, so, uh, so I, yeah, I think that's an important thing. How about you? What do you think, Lisa? Yeah, well, I, I, I love what you say about sort of the lightness and, and just really working it and making it a part of it, almost a daily habit. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You know, I, I think that that, that is something that, gosh, you know, how different would our workplaces be mm-hmm. if we could just make it a daily habit and, and particularly, you know, again, from, from an HR perspective, work these things into your, your regular conversations, whether you're mm-hmm. talking about changing a policy or having that discussion with somebody about maybe some misaligned assumptions, mm-hmm. um, clear those assumptions, get down to, okay, what are the assumptions here? And, and yeah. what is it that is possibly not on paper, but we need to at least acknowledge, if not honor, you know, I, I think about yeah. a time when I was leading a major global mobility transformation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this really large multinational corporation was looking to really trim a lot of fat out of global mobility. They had been mm. working with some very old-fashioned ideas, so some very big, fancy expat packages that mm-hmm. they discovered, oh, this is not sustainable. We cannot afford this on an ongoing basis. Any longer. Mm. And so we were looking at, okay, what can be done? Um, and really, you know, there was that, that space of, oh, well, what are we legally obliged to do? Mm-hmm. And everybody in the room, in the, you know, we're talking very senior level people, uh, you know, general counsel, very, you know, people who have been dealing with complex situations for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I said, well, what about the psychological contract? Mm-hmm. And everyone kind of looked at me. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> <laughs> like, water is burning. There's a contract. That, oh my God, there's a contract that I didn't know about. What? <laughs> what is this contract you speak of? <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah, when people are sent out on global mobility assignments throughout the entire process, there, there are all of these implications and very subtle things that point to if you make these sacrifices, if you mm-hmm. pick up your family and move to another country, typically not always, but quite often a country that has a lower standard of living than you Mm -hmm. may be accustomed to, 
that may be more complicated, that certainly causes you and your family a lot of personal inconvenience, Mm -hmm. you will at some point be welcome back in your home country and you will be better off than you are now. It will be worth all your trouble. Yeah. 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 And just by us simply having been able to have that conversation and acknowledge, okay, this has been the assumption and there has Mm -hmm. been the assumption that people will come back and be able to walk back into promotions Mm -hmm. and carry over additional benefits that maybe they had been given as an expat and those would come back with them. Mm -hmm. By us acknowledging that that had been, you know, it had never appeared in a policy. It was never in any of our assignment contracts, Mm -hmm. but that that had been a requirement. Yeah. Yeah, Not a legal requirement, but it had been an implied part of the deal. Yeah. And by us being able to acknowledge, okay, we are looking to very specifically change that. Yeah. We are going to set a different level of expectations. Mm -hmm. It allowed us to make some really big transformative changes Mm -hmm. that not everybody loved it, but certainly the level of resistance that had been anticipated yeah. was really different. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, you, you know, you, then you're setting up a deal with all the implicit parts of it, or even, you know, having made them explicit, having, setting up a deal for that work relationship that you can honor. If you can no longer honor the relationship or the deal that you made before, you can you can change the deal, but you need to, to be explicit and to acknowledge what, what the other person cares about. Yeah, yeah, and what may have been important to them, and really yeah. name it. Yeah. Exactly, and that is th- that piece that that is a question that you can just ask in a conversation. What is important to you? Uh, what do you appreciate? What are you expecting? What are you looking forward to? Those those types of questions make that more ex- uh, explicit. In situations where you can't guess or you want to check what you're guessing and assuming about someone, you know, there may be someone who does not feel like they mind, I don't know, about uprooting their whole life and plugging it into a completely different culture. They'll have a different perspective, but you won't find out unless you ask them. You can assume and get only so far. Yeah. So asking those types of questions once in a while here and there, um, uh, that really helps to to strengthen the relationships and the contract, make it a a contract that you can keep up from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And and doing it regularly, not just, you know, every now and then making it a regular part of the conversation. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so happy we we got to this. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks everyone for listening because, you know, now you know a bit more probably about um, about the psychological contract and also why it's helpful to know more about that. Um, thanks for listening. And uh, perhaps you've listened directly online to our podcast. It's also easy for, to find us on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iTunes and Apple, uh, Google Podcasts. Have a look. We're probably there. Um, and when you subscribe, You'll be sure to be the first to learn about our newest episodes because more will be coming up. We'd love to get a rating from you, a review, mainly because then other people will find us more easily that may be interested in what we talk about, what we bring. 
And we'd also love to hear your feedback and perhaps your topic requests, learning what's on your mind in the workplace. Do let us know. And um, until next time, bye-bye. Bye.